0: I know there's, I mean, for instance, the metal things like metal for life and either you're metal or you're not. Which And there's something which is very endearing about that because it shows commitment and it shows a, a true passion for a certain style uh, of music, which um, I totally get. But I think that's slightly more a fan's approach because I know, I don't think I know any musician that has that every single musician I know, whether it doesn't really matter from which genre they are, they are interested in any sort of music out there. Uh, you know, all of the great rockabilly musicians that I would know, they, they're they not just interested in that uh, style of music. They will listen to um, all sorts of stuff and usually be very knowledgeable about it too. And um, the, the sort of being fairly one-dimensional about it is slightly more of a fan's approach but even there I don't I think there are very few people who are like that I mean uh so I'm obviously not I mean if we've got a sort of a cramp style song and then we've got a rock steady song and then we've got a punk rock number and then we've got a sort of 1954 Sun Records rockabilly ballad thing uh, we're obviously not very dogmatic um I think music has to, it's very simple. I mean, music has to touch you emotionally in some way. And there are different styles of music for different, uh, you know, emotional states. You know, there's there's very good music for when you're feeling angry. There's very good music for when you're feeling lonely. There's very good music for when you're feeling euphoric and upbeat about it, you know. and So I think that's the one thing you have to do but it sort of happens by itself because I think that's how uh, music is structured. I mean, already certain you know chord progressions can evoke uh, emotions even without any vocals on them or you know, let alone lyrics. <laughs>
1: Listen to the Vibes. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Listen to the Vibes. I'm very happy and very privileged to have Mr. Oliver Baroni here from the band The Hillbilly Moon Explosion. They have a new album out called Back in Time. If I read correctly, it came out February 9th. Correct. Well, we're going to get to know Oliver and a little bit about the band today and talk about that new album. So, Oliver, tell us a little bit more about yourself. About myself? Um, Well, uh, my name is Oliver Barone,
0: a name like that is obviously Italian. I had an Italian mum, but I was born and raised in England, in London. At one stage found myself in Zurich, Switzerland, where I still reside today, and that's where my band is based, although only one person in the band is Swiss and even she's only half <laughs> so we're uh i guess we we're pretty much
1: a central european band when this is your first album on a us label
0: yeah the album itself was a bit of a long time coming i think like many people i mean at least i did i i can't really speak for the rest of the band here but i'm i mean I am still kind of what you would call the creative director of the band. I produced the album and I sort of, um, yeah, I sort of want to sort of guide it in a certain musical direction. That said, of course, Emanuela, uh, our lead singer, has a huge input, uh, not just with um, songs that I would bring to the table, but of course, obviously with her uh, self-penned songs too now this album for me it was it was it was tough getting going because like many people i think during uh during the pandemic during lockdown i just kind of fell into sort of a, a bit of a you know um creative crisis had a bit of a writer's block and stuff like that and uh it's kind of emanuela who then sort of just decided listen guys obviously so we're not performing because we can't perform and even though we don't have anything planned we don't really have an album planned or anything why don't we just start meeting you know uh, twice a week and just rehearse songs that are around you you know like most bands do i mean the, the weird thing is that we we would never really like that we were probably the least rehearsed band out there we would only rehearse if we had, I don't know, a tour coming up, or only rehearse if we had re- recordings coming up. So we started doing that, and, and she just had a, a bunch of songs there that she said, let's try these out. And that kind of got the ball rolling, because because um, when she had a bunch of songs, I said, well, ooh, I should probably pull my socks up too, you know, and uh, get something out there. And um, so that was the process for the songwriting bit and then for the recording bit the a part of my um I suppose my writer's block crisis was that we had sadly lost my long you know long-term collaborator he was also called Oliver Oliver Goods who was uh the sound engineer for uh, Star Trek Studios where we did so many albums we did the recent Sparky album there we did with monsters and gods and he was a very very close friend alas uh, um he passed away and i was was really unsure if i could find a place you know someone that i could work with in a similar way because um i you know i (laughs) i have the chutzpah to call myself a producer and i don't even know how to you know set up a i don't know a, a uh, a compressor or, or anything like that i just sort of sit there i have an idea of what i want but i need a guy by my side or a, or a woman by my side who knows how to twiddle the knobs and and set it up and so we found this new studio well new studio we found out the studio via um this guy that i know who did um he's called dollar bill he's a one-man band and there was this great recording and i just got in touch with him and said hey um where do you record that and it turned out it wasn't too far. It was in Germany, but it was, you know, something like two and a half hour drive. And so that's what got the ball rolling. We booked a we booked a session for two songs, and they turned out great. And then we
1: sort of you know bit by bit put the album together. This album has got a, a lot of refreshing musical style to it, because you have the psychobilly sound, have some, it has a I guess a late '50s, early '60s sound, that surfer type of music, as well as a, a reggae sounding song.
0: Yeah, there's that rock steady song. That was um, Prince Buster. That's the only cover version on the album. It's a Prince Buster cover. Although I recently found out that the original is it's it's um, it's not Alan Toussaint. It's um, it's another one of those New Orleans soul guys forget his name but I I based it on the Prince Buster version and I kind of like the idea of putting a slap bass on that and um it's kind of like you know if if they were recording rock steady or reggae in in Sam Phillips Sun records what would it sound like uh, that was that was the approach
1: to me it reminds me a little of the cramps uh, maybe commander Cody a little bit of Stray Cats, were those influences for you? Uh, cramps, very much so. Commander
0: Cody, yes. Uh, I don't know that much, but uh, I do know I do, uh, Bill Kirchen, of course. I mean, amazing guitar player. Uh, stray Cats, yes. I mean, when I was a kid, Stray Cats were a huge influence. Uh, I'm not going to deny that. And Cramps, very much so. I mean, and it's interesting that the Cramps, I mean, obviously as a teenager, it was a great, you know, great type of music to uh annoy your peers with and 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 i've sort of come full circle and, and i've i mean I, ne- I never forgot about them but i've sort of a renewed appreciation for them and also what for for poison ivy's role i think it's only recently become known how important she was that she produced everything she arranged everything she did all that stuff and um so i guess i mean that one song the the title number back in time i guess has a bit of a cramps uh vibe to it and you know you start writing a song and then you know when you sort of get into when you're sort of halfway there you suddenly realize you know what this, this is sounding a bit like whatever for instance cramps and then you just sort of decide you know what let's do this let's
1: go you know let's go full on so that was fun yeah do you have a process for writing your songs you got to be in the mood uh i have to be under pressure (laughs) i have to be
0: (laughs) i have to have have a studio recording date set up and then i'll actually get off my ass and actually um and and, then finish those songs i write differently from emanuela she writes all the time ongoing she just writes songs and then she'll bring them along um, to the rehearsal space and we'll start messing around with them whereas i uh need some sort of you know precise impetus and um i therefore tend to already have uh, an idea of how the song will turn out already while i'm writing or very soon afterwards her songs are way more open which uh, usually results in a slightly more creative um, way of I mean, I think you probably notice on the album which songs are hers and that they sort of come across as sounding sort of um, different and, and, you know, interesting and fresh. And mine um, tend to be in a specific style. And that's
1: probably because of the, the different ways that we have in, uh,
0: in in writing songs.
1: Emanuela just has this voice. The, that first song on the album... I can't imagine anybody else singing it.
0: No, because it's also I mean it's a new it's a unique way of just centering um songs compositions around the voice. I think what she has she has I mean obviously her sound the sound of her voice is very unique, but she has what I think many great singers have she has a combination of vulnerability and Authority. So, on one hand, you know, obviously, in command of her, you know, voice and and very, uh, very good singing voice, but it shows it has a sort of vulnerability in it, and I think that's what you, if you listen for your favourite singers, you'll probably get that everywhere, yeah. and that's that combination. It's something that proper singers have, which, for instance, I don't. And the way she, I mean, if a song like the the, the one, the second one on the album um summer love that's one of the, that's a typical emmanuela song i mean i i sort of went through the lyrics with her and and we sort of um worked on the lyrics together but she was very adamant about certain things because she'll write lyrics and i would say yeah but you know it's not really english she can't you know and then she'll just insist no no that's the way i want to say it and and she's ultimately right because that's what makes it unique and I think a native speaker then has a different way of writing lyrics, but she's the only one that can write lyrics like that. And then you get this thing that, I mean, we've got Mickey Raphael, who's um, uh, Willie Nelson's uh, harp player on that song, you know, who's obviously, you know, he's recorded with all the greats. but it's kind of, it's a really weird song. It's kind of country, but it's also, I don't know, it's also Italian torch song somewhere in there. And then you get a guy like Mickey Raphael on it, and that that adds a flavor. And then we put put a pedal steel on. And uh, uh, so, yeah, that's kind of the way I want to do things. I want to mix things up and mess things up and make, people make ourselves feel uneasy while doing so
1: (laughs) (laughs) what's been the greatest hurdle in your life personally Mm -hmm. Uh, I think a lot of us have
0: our own demons that we have to fight um, mental health issues stuff like that I guess (laughs) music is a great great help Um, It's, I think, to come back to the philosophy of music, I think what makes music very uh, unique is is that it's a combination of pure emotion and also a very abstract construct, which is, uh, I mean, you might have heard, I think that, you know, practicing musicians are less likely to um, uh, suffer from Alzheimer's and an old age and stuff like that and that's probably because on one hand you um, music is always this this sort of abstract decoding of you know you have to you're putting sounds that you hear within a framework of bars and beats and rhythms and 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 chords and scales and stuff like that. And and that's all an abstract way of just writing down what we hear. So that's one side is kind of mathematical. And then you can do that, but then you have to inject that with emotions. And so I think when you say, you know, personal hurdles, music is very unique in that way that it's always, it will always challenge Both sides of you, you know, an intellectual side and an emotional side. And uh, for me, at least, that's important because I don't think we're purely emotional uh, beings. I don't think we're purely intellectual um, rational beings either.
1: Are you guys going to be touring the U.S.? We hope to do that
0: this summer and in the autumn. Um, I don't know where yet. I love touring the U.S. We've toured twice before. And uh, we love our US audience. We were recently actually at a festival in um uh Florida, which was uh, amazing. That was great. Uh that was just a one-off though. That was flying in and flying out again. <laughs> great. Do you guys have a website? Yes, yeah, hillbillymoon.com. But you can reach us on the socials, though, you know, the insta Insta Facebook, gram, whatever. We're on there. <laughs> I'm the first to admit that we've got a really silly band name and not just silly, but also impractical because it's, you know, you see on festival posters, you'll see like it says the hives and then underneath like the hillbilly moon explosion because you have to, you know, condense it into one line. And so, you know, it's, it's a bit of a silly name, but it's, uh, you know, too much has happened now and we're kind of stuck with it. So, um, yeah.
1: How'd you come up there,
0: with that? There is a reason for it. I mean, it's because um, historically my former band, so my teenage psychobilly band was called the Hillbilly Headhunters and Emanuela's band, which was kind of like sort of an out-pop kind of singer songwriter sort of new wave thing, that was called MD Moon. And she she suggested hey, call it the Hillbilly Moon Explosion, you know, because both bands had kind of a good live following. And we hope that we could kind of uh, capitalize on that. And, and it kind of did work because we never played to an empty house right from the beginning. We actually were able to, you know, inherit um, fans from both uh, bands. But the downside is that we're stuck with this slightly silly name. So, yeah. <laughs> I like it, I think it's cool. But we're not hillbillies. And yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay i mean how do you find Hilbert? emanuela is from a small uh little town in 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 the very rural part of the uh, part of the country duncan is from uh he's from shropshire from a tiny little place originally so yeah so i guess two of us are yeah yeah
1: <laughs> well oliver thank you so much for coming on the show man this has been hey, fun thanks for having me what do i call you coyote You can call me Coyote, call me Kyle, just don't call me late for supper.
0: All right, I'll do that.
1: Thank
0: you so much. Uh, Looking forward to hearing from you.
1: And I also want to thank all you folks out there. If you are new to the channel, I hope you'll come back. Hit that subscribe button from our regulars. You guys are awesome because you make it possible for me to do this. Until the next one, everyone, please take care. Be kind to one another. God bless and peace.